Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Heidi St. John podcast. I am so glad you're here because you are in for a treat today. My friend, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny is on the show. She is an osteopathic medical doctor with a proficiency certification in integrative medicine, and she's the founder of Tenpenny Integrative Medical Center, a clinic that's located near Cleveland, Ohio. She's got years of experience in emergency medicine, and she's invested 21 years and far more than 40,000 hours researching, documenting, and exposing problems associated with vaccines. We're going to hit the topic today of parental rights, and this is going to be an important conversation. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Well, I'm glad you guys have tuned in today. I'm going to just jump right into my conversation with Dr. Tenpenny. It's such an honor to have her here, and this is an important conversation to have. Uh, Dr. Tenpenny, my friend, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much, Heidi. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. I'm so glad that you're here. Right before we started recording, we were talking about this assault that's happening, uh, really this legalized medical kidnapping bill that has passed now and been signed by Governor uh, by Governor Inslee, one of the most tyrannical governors in the United States right here in Washington State. And we were saying it's an assault on parental rights. And you've been studying the issue of vaccines for a long time. We just saw uh, what happened in COVID where, and now we're looking at kids being forcibly taken from their parents if they don't want to medically transition them. And so that's kind of where I want to start the conversation today. Uh, Let's start it back with your history a little bit. How did you get uh, interested in the vaccine industry and kind of where this is going for uh, parental rights moving forward? Well, I've been doing this for a really long time, Heidi, and it was in September of 2000 that I attended the National Vaccine Information Center meeting in Washington, D.C. And when I came home from that meeting, I said, how did I miss this? I've been in medicine a long time. I grew up in a chiropractic family. I was not vaccinated as a child. I had all the age-appropriate measles, mumps, rubella, chicken pox. I think I had pertussis a couple of times. Um, And it was never a big deal in my life, ever. And when I came back from that meeting, I said, I should probably look into this. And when I started looking at the CDC documents and then started looking at mainstream peer-reviewed medical literature, like Pediatric Infectious Disease Journal and 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 JAMA and the New England Journal, and I started pulling out all of these articles that your conventional doctors should be reading, that they're not. And it took a long time. And I, I mean, it took quite a few years for me to like put it all together. But within the first two years... Um, I, I concluded from what I had already read that vaccines have never been tested adequately for safety. They've never been proven that they're safe. The word effective is a deceptive word used inside of the, like the natural industry. flavoring in food. Yeah. <laughs> effective they, is, you know, the general consumer hears the word effective from safe and effective, meaning, well, it's effective. It keeps me from getting sick. But that's not the definition of effective inside of, of inside of vaccine research. What, it, what effective really means is that I inject you with foreign matter and it develops an antibody. If it did that, if you developed an antibody, then they say that vaccine was effective. And that's actually the definition of the word effective, that it does what it was intended to do. It was injecting you with mat, foreign matter and you developed an antibody. Therefore, it's effective. You have the antibody, but you can still contract the infection anyways, whether it's pertussis, chickenpox, even tetanus. You can have high levels of tetanus antibodies and still contract the infection called tetanus. So it's never been safe. It's not effective. They're absolutely not necessary and absolutely 100% cause harm. 
So when COVID shots came along and you know, when they first released at the end of 2020, it was just really just a natural extension for me to go, okay, what is this nonsense about? You know, I've mm-hmm. looked at all the rest of these for all of these years. What is this about? And like two weeks into it, I went, oh boy, we're in deep trouble. We got to get busy because this is, this is a, this is a, um, uh, this is not, we are not fighting general human beings here. I mean, this is really a spiritual battle of fighting powers and principalities. Of, and I said, you know, boy, Lord, you better, what do you want me to do with this? Because this looks like this is Satan's last hurrah. I mean, he's going to be running rampant here for the next however long period of time, scooping up as many humans as he possibly can for his kingdom. What do we need to do to try to protect your people from this onslaught? And, and I heard him say in my spirit out loud, in my spirit, carpet bomb the neighborhood. And I didn't even know what that meant. So I looked and I always say that thoughts are things, words have words, thoughts are things, words have power and definitions are important. So I looked up carpet bomb and what it really meant was that you plow as broad and wide as deep as quickly as you possibly can to really get to do what you're going to do. And it's a war term that they generally talk about. Carpet bombing is, to, is, is taking all the bombs and just doing as wide and broad as deep in, in like these aerial bombings. So it's like, okay, so you want me to carpet bomb the neighborhood about vaccine information? It's like, yes. So I contacted Michelle, my assistant. I said, buckle up, buttercup. We're in for a big ride. And so in the course of 18 months, I did over 600 interviews to warn people about the nonsense of the masks, the nonsense of the social distancing, the fraud of the PCR testing, and the absolute decimation of our genetics by these COVID shots. And to put that in context for your listeners, I did 600, over 600 interviews in about 18 months, and I generally do about 30 a year. And so, we, so when, when it was like carpet bomb the neighborhood, it was about this information to try to warn God's people as much as we possibly can, as fast as we can, that these shots are going to kill people. And now we, we're two and a half years into this. They're absolutely the most murderous um, medica- medication, medical device, genetic modification technology that has ever been released upon the human race. And we are going to see, we're already seeing all cause mortality go through the roof and it's going to continue for the next three to five years. It's really decimating our population that either people are dying or they're becoming chronically sick or they're on chronic long-term disability. It's why every window that you see when you drive down the street, it says help wanted because we really can't find people. Some people have, have um, started jobs on the internet and they stay at home or they gotten into crypto tra- trading or whatever they're doing. But a lot of people are just missing from the workforce. They're just gone yeah. either from chronically sick, chronic long-term disability, or they've died. Millions of people have died from these shots. Yeah, it's true. And uh, there were very few voices at the beginning of what I call the Rona, you know, yeah. very few, very few voices, very few people that had the courage to stand up and say something is terribly wrong. And I felt it. I'm not a doctor, but just I'm telling you what, my spirit was so troubled. And I yeah. started filming in my little town of Battleground, Washington. I'm like, you guys, why are you wearing masks? Like I grew up in a medical family. And my mom was like, that this is dumb. Like any any uh, medical doctor worth their salt, any nurse who's ever studied virology knows that masks don't work against viruses. And so this is a control mechanism. Why are we doing this? And yet, I mean, Jerry, you and I fly all the time. People are still I know. terrified. I know. Terrified. I just want to walk up and shake them. Me too. Welcome up. What's wrong with you? 
You just want to go in the name of Jesus, Please. you know, get this spirit of fear off of you because exactly. that that's what it is. 100%. And I mean, how scared do you have to be, you know, now three years out to be masked up and gloved up and, you know, afraid of your neighbor? I'm wondering where it's going to go from here. I've still seen, I'm sure you have too, on airplanes where you see people, they're double masked. I saw yep. this was not too long ago, maybe a couple months ago. Two masks, goggles, yep. and a face shield and gloves. And I'm like, yes. if you're really that concerned, stay home. Right. I mean, no. what are you doing on an airplane if you're really that concerned? And the people mm-hmm. that get on that get those little alcohol swabs and just wipe everything down and stink up the whole plane with these alcohol. It's like, how toxic are we becoming just from the smell of all this rubbing alcohol that people are using? It's like, yeah. seriously, people, really? Yeah. It's really true. And I mean, there are so many devastating aspects to what happened in COVID. Uh, I think one of the biggest ones, and we're going to continue to see fallout from it, is the loss of our freedom. Yeah, We gave up our freedom for a false sense of security. And then now we're finding out what the headlines every single day, you know, well, as it turned out, the CDC didn't know what the heck they were talking about. Well, as it turns out Father Fauci, the high priest of the Branch Covidians, just a big fat liar, right, who has a terrible track record like with all of his AIDS research and everything he did, this guy was a, a, a terrible human being. But the thing that scares me the most going forward, because this will happen again, I, I just think, you know, this was a testing ground for how much control can we get and how fast can we get it. Uh, the thing that scares me is the loss of parental rights. And we saw this in our school system. We've seen this now when parents were like, no, I don't, my child, who these kids were absolutely contraindicated for the stupid shot in the first place. Yep. And yet the schools are forcing parents, which, I mean, really, can we be forced? I guess we can. Uh, forcing parents to inject their children in order to go back to school. And that, to me, is the, the, the really frightening thing going forward is that we've given up a lot of our freedom to places like the World Health Organization, the CDC, the FDA uh, going forward. And I'm curious to know, uh, as you look at the landscape, because you are more familiar with it than I am. Uh, what's your, uh, you know, what is your encouragement? What do you say to to parents who are raising children right now and they're just entering with, with what really is a battlefield for parental rights? A couple things. One is that I think it wasn't it Benjamin Franklin who said that, I think it was Ben Franklin who said, if you're willing to give up your freedom for security, you deserve neither. Yeah, and you'll get neither, we'll too. Get neither. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. so I think that's one thing. I mean, the second thing is, is that, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you probably spend a whole lot more time around, I mean, in fact, you do spend a lot more time with parents than what I do. I just see them as sort of like, yeah, oh, well, just another child. Yeah. And I have a really dear friend who's a pediatric dentist in Connecticut, and she and I were just talking yesterday about um, another mom 43-year-old mom who died of a pulmonary embolism because she was double shot and boosted. Her husband's double shot and boosted. She's got two young kids and, um, wow. and she's had many. And I said, what are, what are you seeing in all these kids? She said, eight out of 10 of the kids in her practice are COVID vexed. You are kidding me. Eight out of 10. And she lives in a pretty nice area. And I said, what's wrong with these parents? What's wrong that they just they, they take the most precious thing in their life mm-hmm. and they yeah, lay it down on a sacrificial table and allow someone to jab some experimental drug into them that they aren't even at risk. And COVID, as we know it, as an infection, left, isn't even around anymore. 
I mean, yep. the virus, if you believe it exists or if you don't believe it exists, it's not there anymore. It's not causing infection. And yet we're pumping these shots into pregnant women. We're putting fetuses at risk. We're, we're starting this, giving these shots at two and three and four months of age. She said that 100% of her kids, five years and younger, are, are not eight out of 10, but 10 out of 10, because the parents want them to be able to go to public school. Yep. So the parents are willing to inject foreign matter that could kill their child. And the kids that are ending up with strokes and are dead, the parents are like, we have no idea. How could this possibly have happened? I trust my pediatrician. And it's and the cognitive dissonance that that causes, Heidi, is so enormous. Because how could you as a parent ever get your head around that you allowed them to inject something in your child? That killed them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't even imagine the level of grief, guilt. And honestly, I can't. It's hard for me to believe that there hasn't been some some really angry, distraught parent that hasn't stormed into some pediatrician's office and just ransacked the whole thing Mm -hmm. that I trusted Mm -hmm. you and you killed my child. You know, I did a a Tuesday morning. I, I did one of my podcasts. I do. It's called Tuesday Coffee with Dr. T. And so Tuesday morning at nine o'clock, it's generally, I usually start with a little topic and then it's just open forum question and answer. Anybody that wants to ask any questions. Well, this morning I had Dr. Jim Thorpe on with me this morning. And Dr. Jim Thorpe is an ob for more than 40 years of experience. And his wife is an attorney and they FOIA requested all of this information from um, ACOG, which is the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, and found out that, um, that the government put $13 billion into the pockets of pastors and into the pockets of um, churches and um, all kinds of government agencies and all of the um, uh, American uh, medical uh, colleges, like the College of OB-GYN, the College of Emergency Medicine, the College of of Internal Medicine, to, to buy them off, to force them to give COVID shots to anybody. The slide deck that he showed me was staggering. And and of the 298 organizations that they funneled this $13 billion into, the ones out of 298 uh, pastors and um, church organizations, 87 of them said yes and took the money. And then in the fine print, what they found from these FOIA requests was that if you take the money, you are now under censorship obligation to not talk about it. And if you talk about the fact that you took this money to coerce your congregation, your patients, your clients, your customers, you have to pay the money back. Holy moly. This was they signed this. I wonder if they even knew they were signing it. I'm sure that they did because they're all woke and they're all saying, yeah, of course, I'm going to get that shot into everybody because after Mm -hmm. all, it's for the greater good. And after Mm -hmm. all, I have to get a shot in order to keep you from getting sick. It's like mm-hmm. me putting up my umbrella in the rain to make sure you don't get wet. You know, it's right. just ridiculous. And so yeah. this well, and what we're seeing in thir- is, is all of these, you know, there was uh, what did he say? An 89 percent increase in fetal third, third trimester fetal demise that they knew before they even released the shots. And mm-hmm. so doctors who are still pushing the shots, pastors that are still recommending that you get the shot or wear a mask, government officials who are still wrecking it, they're murdering people. You know, we know now, you know, we're, we're, you know, all of 21, all of 22, half of 23, we're two and a half years into this. The the evidence is irrefutable. And anybody that continues to follow that, uh, that um, 
that those recommendations and something happens to their children, I think they should be held mm-hmm. accountable to that. Mm-hmm. Well, there needs to be a reckoning. I, I was at an event just a couple of weeks ago in Minnesota, and I asked a bunch of people in the room, how many of you know somebody who was injured by the vaccine? Uh, I'd say it's over half, you know, of people who just, and that's people who my knew My business it. partner has, my business partner in one of my businesses has 60, 60 people in his, in his circles. He's got a big network of people, 60 that have died from the shots. Are you kidding? I don't know anybody so far in my circles. Well, that's probably a broad statement, but I would say a large percentage of people in my circles all know at least one person that's died from the shot, at least once. And it's going to get worse. It is going to get worse. I agree. And there are a lot of grandparents, aunts and uncles, parents that are listening to this uh, broadcast right now. And I'm thinking about how 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 can we help them stand up for their freedom? So. You know, my big thing, and you and I have talked about this because I've been on your show, about pulling kids out of the public school, this corrupt, morally bankrupt, disgusting, demonic. Yeah, uh, get your kids out of public school. But if you're not going to get your kids out of public school, you're, I mean, I'm already watching. They're putting the shot on the the, uh, schedule, the vaccine schedule. And there are parents who are saying to me, I just don't know what to do. And, uh, you know, you and I have kind of gotten to the point now where we're not soft shoeing it you know, exactly. anymore. We're just like, you know, you dumb. These are your kids. Like, these are your kids. But where do they start? When when you see what's happening in places like Washington State where parental rights are being uh, assaulted. I mean, I, I cannot think of another word. We gave away our freedom in, in COVID. I don't think this is going to end well because I think we're going to be we're going to continue to see more and more interference in parental rights, more and more interference exactly. in medical freedom. Uh, to me and the 2024 election cycle starting to ramp up, I know because I'm getting calls from people running for office all over the place who want endorsements and things like that. I'm telling everybody, run on a platform of parental rights. Run on a platform of parental rights because you're, you're going to, I mean, we're talking homeschool freedom. We're talking medical freedom, all of the things. How can we encourage this generation of adults who are looking at it now and they're starting to see it for what it is, right? So you can say, fool me once, you know, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So there are people who are going, okay, I'm not going to be fooled twice by this. Where do we start, uh, you know, standing up and and being able to be a voice for people who cannot have, a, who don't have a voice of their own or for these children who are really being targeted? I mean, children are being targeted here. That's what's so sickening to me. We've gone way beyond drag queen story hour and, hey, let's let's embrace pedophilia and disgusting evil Joe Biden, who's pushing all manner of wickedness from the highest office in the land. Our kids are being targeted in the public schools. They're targeted from magazines. They're targeted from children's programming while they're sitting in their living rooms by Scooby-Doo and Blue's Clues. And they're being targeted with their actual physical health. So where where do the adults and you don't even have to be a parent to me. You just have to care about what's happening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I think that um, if if the parents are listening, aren't convinced of how bad it is and why they need to take their kids out. Right. They need to go spend a couple of days in their kids' classrooms and look at what the, what the teachers are doing, 
what they're what they're teaching. I mean, if you and I sat down with those textbooks, some of those textbooks, and they're, they're oh, talking to man. kindergartners, we would get charged with pedophilia and spend time in prison and be labeled as child predators and it'd be on our record forever. And they're doing yep. this in the school. You know, my, my business partner that I told you that's lost so many kids, his wife ran for and was elected for local school board in the community that they live in. And she went a couple weeks ago, she went to, and they, they've got five kids, so they're, you know, front line. And she yep. did that. And this is why I think it's important to share this. Is she went and spent a couple of days with different teachers in the schools. These are elementary schools. She came home and was so distraught. She said, it's a war zone in there. She said that it's a war zone. She said they've got kids that are, that have animals that are, you know, like, because they're blind and they've got kids that are like pooping in things because they identify as a cat, you know, and they're in care boxes. I mean, we've got kids that are disruptive and angry and, and, and then these other kids that are in the cowering in the corner because they just don't know what to do. She said, it's kind of like a Lord of the Flies thing yes, going on in the schools. Exactly. Yeah. Which to me, just hearing those stories and I, I would be enough to say, I don't care what it takes. My kids are not going to go into that system. I don't care mm-hmm. what it costs me. I don't care how, what I have to do to rearrange my life to make sure that my children are not in those in that public school system. So Mm -hmm. what you're doing now, Heidi, with your system, it's always been important. It's more important now than ever, because if we can't take our children, if we can't protect protect the next generation of children from pedophilia, from the transgender stuff they're doing. I mean, the stuff in Washington, that bill, I was just horrified with that. You know, that they it's it's legalizing medical kidnapping. And once Mm -hmm. they kidnap your kids, who's going to raise them? Where are they going to put them? Some ward of the state in with CPS, and then now they're into child trafficking situations because we know mm-hmm. that that's what's in the core of CPS is they kidnap, medi- they medically kidnap kids, and then you never hear from them again. They're yeah, just sold into crazy. they're just sold into human trafficking, and so yeah, um, yeah. we have lost our moral compass in this country so bad, Absolutely so badly true. we've lost our moral compass. And I've had a lot of people, because, you know, I do twice a week, I do an online Bible study. It's called Happy Hour with Dr. T. And, um, you know, I've had a couple of people say to me, do you think this is, you know, God's wrath on our country? I said, well, maybe, but at the very least, I feel like it's got, we have been founded on biblical principles. I mean, could it possibly be a consequence of our sin and of removing God from every major institution, uh, from our government, from our schools? Yeah. yeah and if it's not, if it's not punishment, I believe that God's lifting his hand of protection off yeah, of our country so that mm-hmm. he's leaving us to our own devices. And mm-hmm. what we have basically done as a country is sort of like flipped them the bird and said, no, thank you. Go away. Mm-hmm. And we've allowed it. We've allowed it by our hireling pastors in churches that have not held tight and that have, you know, closed our churches to worship and pray during the time of COVID, but, oh, we're having a shot clinic on Tuesday because they're taking yeah. backdoor money from the public health department. Oh, my yeah. wife knows better because she's a nurse and she's working for that woke inst- hospital institution over there. So I, I guess that's a long-winded answer to your question of, well, where do people start? They need to start by getting regrounded in their biblical principles in their house and how they're going to raise their children, to raise them up to be the way they want them to be, and pray over them every day, and pray what your right decision are, that you are walking daily in God's word, and that 
you have that network that we can pray, at least our small communities, we have to start praying them back into God's house. Mm. Whatever it's, it start with our, you know, our own home that we live in and then our neighborhood and then our communities, our churches, you know, one come out, one, one community, one city, one county at a time, you know, will collectively add back up to bring God back onto the playing field. I had a very close friend to me say the other day, he said, you know, we really need a God miracle. And I said, I'll tell you exactly why we haven't seen one yet. He said, well, why is that? I said, we haven't asked. Come on. We haven't asked. Like Jesus said, you have not because you asked not. You know, have we asked God to get down here on the playing field with us? Have we really mm-hmm. said, come beyond the team? Or do we sit mm-hmm. back and go, whenever, God, whenever you want to, you know, please do this. In the no, I just wrote my big, my, my <laughs> walking with God's uh, substack this week was on exactly that, was about asking. Ask, ask, ask. What are we asking for? We're asking for protection. We're asking for God protecting our parental rights. We're asking for God to protect our children. Our food supply, my last three substacks on Dr. Ten, DR10penny.com, so that's DR10penny.substack.com. Two of them were on eating bugs and insects. And last Crazy. week, yes, the last, it was huge. And then last week, my one I just released on Saturday was on this new stuff, you know, Edipeel, you know, Edipeel that they're spraying all of our vegetables and stuff with. Mm-hmm. It's, um, you know, we don't really know what it is. It's kind of experimental. We've never really done this stuff before. It's supposed to be organic until you dig down and find out what it really is and what they're doing to our fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we need, we need a miracle, but we need to be praying for that miracle. We don't need to, yeah. let's hope that God blesses us. We need to be actually asking more for God to participate and get in the, uh, show us that this incredible miracle that was so outrageous that it could only have been the hand of God that could have possibly have done that. Yeah. And once I, I keep telling, you know, the women, at least in my, in my Bible study community over at Faith That Speaks, you know, I was asking them, what, if, if your faith found its voice, what would God have you say? If your faith found its feet, where would God have you go? The question is not, does God want to intervene? The question is, are we willing to be obedient? Because it requires courage in the culture right now. And I'm imagining. Ask? Do we even ask God, what do you want me to do? And then when he says, I want you to do X, have yeah. the courage to go do it. Yeah, right. Exactly. When a lot of people are just sitting back and just waiting for the rapture, you know, and uh, I can't stand that because it's so anti-biblical, you know, that we would just sit here when Jesus, when, you know, God's like, hey, take dominion. We're supposed to be uh, the salt and light in this generation. Engaged until the very end. Yes. Yes. I remember years ago, close to 20 years ago when I did my first interview with my friend, Dr. Dobson, and he said, you know, Heidi, when, where have you ever seen uh, retirement in the Bible, you know, and I was like, I don't know, eight months pregnant with somebody. <laughs> <laughs> one of the kids, and right? <laughs> one of them, one of them. And uh, I just, I I said, well, I kind of looked down at my belly and I was like, well, it's not in my future, at least not anytime soon. He goes, it's in nobody's future. Retirement is not in the Bible. God said that we are down here to do something. We're here for such a time as this. And until the Lord calls us home, there's a purpose for our being here. And it's not just to sit around and watch the world, you know, watch our, our, our neighborhoods burn and our families lose their their freedom and our children walk away from the Lord. We are called to be uh, obedient. And that, I mean, everybody's got different giftings, right? We all come with a different set of, you know, a different set of gifts and passions of places that God calls us. But I'm curious when you look around, and I know you've been talking about this for a long time, 
and you're seeing what's happening with parents with, I mean, you've been on the front line of the vaccine thing for a really long time. Talk to the mom who just went to her pediatrician, you know, for her regular checkup. And she was pressured and borderline bullied by a guy who she trusted. I mean, this was my daughter. She doesn't even go anymore. She's not taking her kids to our family physician anymore because the nurses are so rude. You know, why don't you want to give your kid, you know, 15 different shots? And there, these moms are literally being intimidated by people that they used to trust. Can you give them uh, any kind of a handle to hang on to whereby they can assert their parental rights because they have the right to determine the upbringing, at least now, to determine the upbringing for their child and the medical decisions uh, going forward. But how does she stand up when she's when she's being you know bullied and, and intimidated inside of her pediatrician's office? So I'll answer that by giving a little story. This was years ago. I spoke at the Holistic Moms Association meeting. It was their annual meeting. Yeah, it was it was on the East Coast somewhere. I don't know, Maryland, Baltimore, somewhere. Holistic Moms, like the Crunchy Moms. Yeah, the Holistic Moms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Holistic Moms organization. <laughs> and um, at lunch, there was we were sitting around these big tables. It was like a ten or a twelve top table. And I was sitting there with these bunch of these young moms, and I said, I have a question for all of you. And this isn't a gotcha question. It's like, I really, really want to know from you as a young mother, I really want to know your answer to this. I said, the question is, why do you think you need a pediatrician? And they all kind of, I said, it's not a gotcha. Seriously, I want to know in your head why you think you need a pediatrician. No one ever thinks about it. It's just what you do. Well, the answer came finally. They all kind of looked at each other. This one young gal said, um... Because everybody else has one. Right. You know, and that's about the bottom line. So the question to your audience and to your moms who are listening to this, why do you think you need a pediatrician? You don't. The only pediatrician you ever need is if you've got a really chronically sick child, someone, a child that maybe has muscular dystrophy or has a seizure disorder, or has insulin-dependent diabetes, that you need that sort of specialized pediatric care. Generalized pediatrics should go the way of dinosaurs. I agree. The only thing that you, probably within the first six weeks of life, your child does need to be examined by a medical professional who's got some training to listen for heart murmurs, because that's when maybe congenital heart disease shows up to do some testing in their hips because that's where congenital hip dysplasia sort of shows up to be able to, I mean, you can weigh your baby. You don't need to take them to, I mean, you can stand on the the scale, look down, (laughs) have have somebody hand you a baby, look down. (laughs) You just weighed your baby. I mean, that's all you need to do, right? I mean, you can learn how to do a head circumference and a a length circumference and you can, you can print the, the, the forms off of the internet and track to make sure that your baby every couple of months is on what they would call one of the growth curves. Mm-hmm. You need a pediatric chiropractor, a naturopath, a nurse practitioner, a physician's assistant, a, a, a pediatric RN, an RN that's maybe worked that's not in the woke category, that's worked in a pediatrician's office or maybe worked in the neonatal uh, a unit in the hospital or had some hospital experience. If you're a first time mom, you just need a little advice. And I would also advise you to get information from your mother and your grandmother 
We don't have extended family things anymore. I mean, that's all it Mm. used to ever be. I mean, it's your first time baby and you go to your mom and go, what do I do with this? What's going on? What is this? You know, (laughs) and she raised you. Right. And maybe all of your siblings. So maybe she's got a little experience that she could help you with, you know, (laughs) and if they have a rash, is this rash look significant? No, it's just a no big deal. I mean, they got a fever. Is this enough of a fever to be consistent? No, they're teething. They always get a little fever over when they're teething. They're just fine. I mean, you need some, you need a health advocate. You need somebody that's got some experience with babies. If it's your first baby, you know, if it's your seventh baby, it's just old hat. You just know what it is. I mean, I have a friend and this is a true story. He was the seventh of seven kids and he was a little bit of a tag along from the, from the sixth kid. And he was like a teenager when he finally confronted his parents and asked him if he had been adopted. And his mom was mortified. And she's like, why do you ask it? He goes, there's no baby pictures of me. Right. Because she was like, I didn't have time. By the time you get to the seventh kid, you've seen him roll over, sit up. You've seen him do all the milestone things. You've seen it six times. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's okay. And and, and she was just, oh, like just mortified, you know, but, um, it's like, no, why would you think that? Well, there, I just, there's just no baby pictures around about me. I thought maybe I was adopted, you know? Yeah, because you're like, I was trying, my life was running me over when you were born. It was literally running exactly. me over. Exactly. And so the point yeah. is, is those extended family things or next door neighbors or people that you know that have had a couple of kids, you need to have somebody just help you. You don't need a pediatrician. The, going on. to a generalized pediatrician, the only reason to go, it's an opportunity to vaccinate badger you and embarrass you and check to see if you have guns in your house because that's what they're doing exactly now right you have guns in your house you know and they it's all these invasive questions and you know when that goes into Awful. your medical record that's not private information there's like 600 organizations i'm not exaggerating that have access to electronic medical records get out of town no it's really true i mean twyla brace talks that. about this all the time she's a good friend of mine she's with um uh, that organization, the health freedom organization in. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, I think that and I think the book that she wrote is um, um, something to the effect of who's in the exam room. I mean, you know, like OSHA in the exam room or something like that. And it's yeah. like all of these people that have access to all your medical records. In fact, Dr. Jim Thorpe and I were just talking about that this morning and talking about the fact that, you know, oh, women who are pregnant, especially first time pregnancies, They are at a place of being vulnerable. And the person that they really, really want to trust is their obstetrician. And if their Mm -hmm. obstetrician says, I think you should get that COVID shot, and they say, no, thank you, I researched it, I don't want to get that while I'm pregnant, it goes into their medical records, and it's probably sent to a bunch of different monitoring uh, organizations within your state that you've refused good care, which leading towards this lack of parental rights. Now, if they're going to take your kids away because... You aren't going to support their wish to have an abortion or transgender. The next thing is going to be COVID shots because the ACOG has an, has a $11 million grant over three years, um, $11 billion grant, excuse me, with a B in order to increase in year three. So that's, we're talking 2025 increasing, getting COVID shots into pregnant women and they will monitor communities to see where there's lack of that shot to where those communities need assistance, meaning more propaganda and more educational pressure to get these shots inside of pregnant women. And that preg- that shot can be given in any trimester. 
So if you just found out that you were pregnant, you're 10 weeks pregnant, 12 weeks pregnant, you go to the, you have your first appointment with your OB-GYN, they could give you that COVID shot in first trimester, which will, will cause interuterine growth deceleration, interuterine heart disease, heart attacks, strokes, lack of ability for those babies to actually even develop organs. It is an absolute travesty. I mean, Jim on my show this morning was like pounding the desk of how detrimental and how horrible this is and how it must stop. He's have he's published more than 200 peer reviewed uh, papers in the in the medical literature, just came out with a book about what they're not telling you about COVID shots in pregnancy. Um, just got available. His name's Dr. Jim Thorpe, T-H-O-R-P on Amazon. And it's highly documented and that people really need to know what's happening here. And they must, must stop. We are decimating the human race with these shots. We are causing women to be infertile. So now we're going to not only we're going to kill off kids that are living, we're going to prevent them from having any more because they're going to be infertile. The men that are getting the COVID shots, the um, the uh, incidence of um, testicular cancer is through the roof. And now they're developing what is called it's a new term in healthcare. It's a new term in medicine. We've never used it before. It's called turbo cancer which means that from the time you're diagnosed with with this cancers, particularly testicular cancers, um, some lymphomas, some types of leukemias, from the time you're diagnosed till the time you die is months, weeks to days after your diagnosis. Some people, some teenagers that have had these shots are getting, are, they're, they're really tired. They're not feeling well. They get a blood test. They're diagnosed with leukemia and they're dead in five days. They don't even have time to go through any type of, of treatment. There was a, a community, a person here in our local community, a 14, a 14 year old boy who played in a soccer tournament over weekend on Monday. He was really super tired, went to the doctor. They drew a CBC. They said, Oh, it looks like it may be leukemia. He was dead three days later. They're calling wow. these things turbo cancers all that from these insane. COVID shots. It's, it's ridiculous. It's really bad. We must, must stop. And so, yeah. so young moms who, who who um, need to go to see? Don't go see a pediatrician. Why? Right, right. You need a mm-hmm. you need an advocate. You need somebody that can get buy a couple of books and read. I mean, Mendelssohn's book that came out twenty years ago, "How to Raise a Healthy a Healthy Child in Spite of Your Pediatrician," is still timely. And it's and ah. it's all of those things are you know that's real. There's lots of good books on you know on herbal medicines, on homeopathic remedies that you can do, on using things like natural honey and. And um, things for like cough syrups and making your own elderberry syrup. I mean, there's a, a lot of things that you can do at home. You only need to have a pediatrician if you have a chronically sick child. If you, a normal, healthy child doesn't need one. I think part of what I'm hearing you say is we've got to let go of this fear that drives so many of our decisions, right? These moms who are just like, I don't know why I'm doing that. You know, it's like, why did your kid, why, you know, why is your kid going to college? Well, I don't know. It's just the next thing to do. No, stop, pray, think about it. Does my child really need to be going uh, to a four-year uh, university? Ninety, I'd say 80% of the time, no, they don't need to be. There are lots of other things we can look at. We've got to start thinking for ourselves. I think we've gotten into groupthink, you know, and certainly that was very much exposed uh, during COVID-19. And you have been uh, one of the leading voices in the fight against this propaganda machine that is coming out of our mainstream medical community and obviously all the legacy networks 
uh, parroting the same information over and over again. You were one of the first to get out there and say, hey, slow down, stop, take a look. And sure enough, you're proven to be right. As we're watching, sadly, you are proven to be right. And so I'm hoping that more and more moms, I love that you just said you do not need a pediatrician. I mean, honestly, I raised my kids in the, you know, in the 90s and no one, even, no one even, you know, you had a baby, they assigned you a pediatrician. You know, when you go to have a child, they're like, who's this kid's pediatrician? And if you don't have one, they look down on you. It's just, it's, we've been trained this way. It's sort of ingrained. And I think what I'm hearing you say is, hey, let go of that spirit of fear because it's not from the Lord. It's absolutely not, you know, and and you've got you've got this gift from God, this gift that was born perfect. With you know, they say babies were born without an immune system. It's absolutely a lie. It's the thing. It is a lie. It's a lie. It's an absolute <laughs> lie. Because if that were true, every baby that was born would die, because they would not mm. be able to to go through the birth canal and get exposed to the bacteria and things that are in in the mother's vagina. You know, mm-hmm. they wouldn't be able to be in the same room with a dog or a cat. You know, they wouldn't mm-hmm. be able. It's just a lie. It's a lie. That's a fear based lie. So you were born with you were given this perfect gift that has 10 toes and 10 fingers and little tiny fingernails and, you know, beautiful eyes and the born with the inborn ability to suck and nuzzle to feed itself from your breast. Why do you need intervention from that? Why do you need <laughs> some guy or gal over there to tell you whether or not your baby's healthy? I don't know. And we're both just like, we got nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, think about multi-generational. Talk to your mom. Talk to your sister. Talk to your cousin that. that's had children. You know, yeah. there's things that parents need to, that are afraid of. And, and actually, I wrote an ebook, and it's, I think it's available on, on my website. Um, it's called The Importance of Fever. If you don't have it, Heidi, let me know, and I'll, I'll send, it, send it to you, and you can send it out I to I want people. it. I'm just writing it down. It's yeah, I love that. It's called The Importance of Fever. It's like 12, 14 pages long. And when I actually looked it up, I mean, this, there was two, two pretty decent studies that were published that why parents were so afraid of fever because they don't understand how important fever is. What parents need to learn and what I wrote about in this little ebook is when is a fever a concern or when That's is it good. do you just have to let it ride its course for a couple of days? You know, mm-hmm. if the baby's got a fever, but they're running around the room playing and beating on their sister and or their brother, or they're playing with the dog, they're eating, they're drinking, but they've got a fever of 101, let the, fe- let the body burn off, its, burn off what's ever causing the problems. And fever can be caused by infection or be caused by inflammation. So when your kids are teething, frequently they get a, little, a, a fever, 9900 because it's inflammation and they're cranky and they don't feel good. You know, mm-hmm. it's not anything that you need to go and get crammed up with antibiotics for, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, mm-hmm. learn some natural ways to take care of fever and know what the rule, what the risks are. When is it a concern? Not how high it is, because you can have a fever of 104 and still be running around the room playing with your toys. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. so when are, and th- I wrote about that. It's not very long, but it's written right to the parents. And they said that part of the problem is perpetuated the fear by the pediatricians who say if your child has you know, home going instructions, if your child gets a fever, please contact your doctor. That's so true. It's almost like, you know, the medical community. Imagine that. 
Imagine, well, send me that that file, that, that link, whatever, and I'll put it in the show notes, yeah. uh, show notes today, so that people can access it. I, I love that, uh, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. You are a national treasure, and uh, I'm so glad that you're that you've come on my show. You. You're going to hang around with me for a few minutes for happy hour. Yeah. Because I, I totally, when last time I was on your show, you're like, you should be doing this. I'm like, that's genius. So if you guys want to know where I got the idea, it's from my friend, Dr. Sherry. And uh, we're going to have if it, we're going to have a hoot and holler and good time because you are a lot of Thank fun. You. You're a lot of fun. And the spirit of the living God is in you, you and it's evident. And I just thank you so much for coming on the show. I hope you'll come back again Absolutely. and we'll pick up the conversation. Anytime. Yeah, Absolutely. the next time the world's on fire, you're the first girl I'm going to That's call. it. That's it. Thank you so much, Heidi. Appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. You guys want more information on my friend, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. I'm going to link back to her in the show notes today. Also, I'm going to bring her back on really quick. Sherry, tell everybody about your your podcast because you have an awesome thing going on. Where can people find you online? Um, the, everything links back up to drtenpenny.com. So it's D-R-T-E-N-P-E-N-N-Y, drtenpenny.com. Um, everything links up there. Uh, you know, you can link to my sub stacks from there, my my Eye on the Evidence, or the second one on Sunday, which is Walking with God. You can look at our apparel store, which I love. I love, oh, I don't have my one of my mugs down here. Um, oh. You know, all my all my mugs and cups and T-shirts and stuff like that. I love her. I buy my own stuff. I, I don't, love it. I don't get it for I free. It. I buy my, I'll go to my own store and buy my own stuff from because I just think that our T-shirts are just so great. You know, there's one that I just wear all the time. I wear. Are they statement shirts? They are. And I wear. Those are my favorite. I wear it on Those the airplane. Favorite. Every single time I travel, it says faith over fear. And yes. I sit there with it open so everybody can read it. <laughs> and I have all the, all the flight attendants go, I like that. Where do you get that? And I'll turn around and show them the back. DrTempenny.com. <laughs> I love it. I have a brand new shirt and I was going to, I was going to wear it on the show today and I forgot. I'll take a picture and send it to you. But it uses kind of like an imitation of the Coca-Cola logo, only it says female, the real thing. Oh, that's really good. That's really good. <laughs> that's what, That'll be my new shirt that I wear oh, on an airplane. I'll let you know how it goes. That'll be good. And then they can also get, you know, we have, a, we have, a, we have supplements there. We have our, our apparel store that's there. And then sub, our, substat, our, our podcast. So I do seven podcasts a week. I do three on Monday, three on Tuesday, and two on Thursday. And there's four different levels of membership because, you know, I always say it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to run my big operation of all the things we're doing, yes, like with you, it, too. You and know, so you've got, come if on. you hover over the podcast tab, there's four different levels of podcasts. So we've created we think we've created something for everybody's time and everybody's budget. And so, um, you know, if you want to get involved and support us, that's we. And, and the number one thing you can do for me is pray. You know, I always pray mm. for my protection and my stamina because I run like you, like, you know, hair of fire all the time. And, uh, right. you know, just uh, pray for, pray, pray that things are that, that the Lord puts his hand of protection over me and my entire organization, because we really oh, do boy. work hard and we do the best we can for the, for, for service to God. Thank you again for coming on the show. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You guys, I hope you'll check out Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. I will link back to the PDF that she was talking about today, her ebook on fever and what it is. And and uh, I think, wow, what a great opportunity for you guys to get familiar if you're not already with the work of Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. If you are subscribed to the Heidi St. John podcast, stick around because she's going to join me for happy hour. And believe me when I say she is a hoot and holler in good time. You're not going to want to miss it. And everybody else, thank you so much for listening today. I'll see you right back here again tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture.